This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Please visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to contact me for any reason, then please click on that contact icon on the website. You can listen to the show by going to our website and click on the archives link at the top of the page. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes, where you can download all episodes to date. Please leave a comment on iTunes and rate five stars if you enjoy the show and to show your support. That would be greatly appreciated. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash Australian Hunting Podcast. You can also follow our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash AH Podcast. And also, if you enjoy watching videos, then please subscribe to our channel at youtube.com forward slash Aussie Feral Control. Alternatively, you can find all the social media links on the website. If you want to be part of the Australian Hunting Podcast, then please leave us a voicemail by clicking on the voicemail icon on the right-hand side of the website. This gives you an opportunity to be part of the show, and we will play your voicemail message on our next Straight Shooting Podcast. Donations are always graciously accepted, and you can click on the Donate button on the website. I appreciate all people who listen and donate to the show. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people into hunting, shooting and fishing as you possibly can. My name is Jason Selms and without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Bo Ricketts, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me for uh, my Everyday Hunter series. Appreciate it. Oh, no worries at all, Jay. Thanks very much for having me, Mike. Mate, no worries. Tell us about yourself, um, whether you, you know, want to find out about Bo. Does he hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and how did you get into it? Mate, um, I'm actually a contract shooter. I run a small contract business called Precision Varminting. Um, I'm down in the southwest slopes area of New South Wales. I uh, mainly do contract shooting. I do do a little bit of hunting here casually every now and then with a few mates, um, but most of all, it's a business for me. Um, I, I don't do much fishing, but I have a, cra- have a crack at it every now and then, mate. <laughs> mate, tell us, I want to find out about your business. Why did you want to you know, start running a business? Okay, well, mate, basically I, start, I came up with the idea to start a business about seven years ago. Um I just loved shooting so much. I just thought, well, you know, there's obviously a bit of market here for it. So if I can only try and make a little bit of money out of it, I'm, I'm spending so much money on it that it'd be nice to get a little bit back for it. And, um, you know, I, lo- I looked into, you know, uh, what areas needed it worked on. So um, I, I approached a lot of local landholders, and um, it's a lot very hard to get into, obviously, and there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through and uh, a lot of legislation you have to know and, uh, yeah, it was something that was very important in this area, I thought, because it, over the years, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's very hard to get onto properties these days. Um, I think a lot of farmers have had bad experiences with shooters, so they're just very hesitant to let people on themselves. And yeah, a lot of farmers, they uh, don't have the time themselves to go out and spend as much time as I do out there shooting the foxes for them. Yeah, what sort of speaking of that? What sort of species do you do you sort of cater for when you're helping out those farmers? Mate, at the moment uh, it's lambing season where I am, so I'm flat out uh, running down foxes and crows at the moment. Um, we've been out on, for one client. We've been out six nights on his property and got 86 foxes and 37 crows in three days of just driving around chasing crows. <laughs> yeah, the good old crows, they're fun. Yeah, well, um, I was actually having a speak to him today. He's actually very happy about it because 
his landing percentages are so much haven't gone up, but his twinning percentage and his triple percentage has gone through the roof this year as opposed to last year because obviously when the ewe drops two or three lambs, she'll get up and walk away and it's the one or two that lays down. She doesn't sort of, you know, she doesn't muddle them as much and that's usually the ones the foxes pick up. So he said he's, uh, yeah, his twinning percentages have absolutely gone through the roof this year. He's very happy with it. Yeah, is this something you decided to do sort of on a full-time basis or a part-time basis to help out or...? Mate, I am part-time. Um, I am looking at the moment, I'm actually looking at to shifting into doing a bit of gunsmithing with my business and hopefully opening up a small firearm store. So that will be something down the track to happen. I can, you know, then do that full-time, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I just want to... I'm, I'm not sure if this is true or not. I'm sure there was a forum on the internet, Precision Varminting or something. You did, don't own that one, do you, or anything? Yeah, I do, mate. That's me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I remember years ago, I think I, I saw a forum yeah, called that, and I was like, I just thought about it when you just mentioned the name just then, and I thought, oh, I just might mention it, see if it is you. Yeah, that's me, mate. I um, generally run the Facebook page. That's just um, uh, you know, just something for a few people to get on like and follow what I do as a contract shooter. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, oh, first of all, when you were growing up, um, I mean, tell the listeners, I guess, you know, what sort of yeah, a rough indication of what area you're from. And I guess when you were growing up, you know, did your did your family, were they hunters? Was it a cousin that got you into it? And how exactly did you get into it? Um, well, growing up, my father was actually uh, quite a good clay target shooter. So he got me into a bit of clay target shooting. And his brother, my uncle Jeff, he used to do quite a lot of uh, fox shooting. He you know, every weekend he'd go out shooting and I'd come down the back of the shed and he'd help him peg all the fox skins out. So that's where I got a bit of an interest for it. And then uh, my pop gave me an air rifle to play with and, yeah, I sort of grew up shooting air, shooting with the air rifles and then joined um, the PCYC Air Rifle Club. Um, this was back in sort of 92, 93. This is before all the, the pre-96 stuff. And then... Um, yeah, as soon as I was able to, I could get my license, get my full license, and um, I started out with a little twenty-two Lithgow Slazenger. So, yeah, I just, like, I've just loved it ever since I was a little kid. Um, I used to beg my uncle to tag me along for spotlighting all the time. Um, yeah, and then I, I actually got into clay targets fairly well myself there for a while, but uh, I got out of that a couple of years ago because I was just devoting so much time to long-range rifle shooting and uh, the spotlighting efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Just sort of for the listeners, because I get a range of different age people. What's your age, Bo, so people can sort of get an indication? Yeah, mate, I'm 34 at the moment. Oh, same age as me. <laughs> 1980, good year, mate. Oh, no, for me it was 80, for me it was 81, so I'm not 35 oh, right, until okay. next year. So uh, I'm, yep. we're hitting that closer to 40, aren't we? Yeah, no, I try not to think about it too much, but at least the insurance gets a bit cheaper, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mate, tell us, um, do you, like in your family, you have brothers and sisters, do they hunt? No, no. Uh, I've got one sister. She, um, I've taken her out uh, on a few outings, and um, she's enjoyed it, but it's not something she pursues, unfortunately. But uh, I just had a son last weekend, so I'm hoping to get him into it as soon as possible. Yeah, nice. What about the what about the missus? I always ask, you know, whether you know a male or female I have on the show, whether their partner hunts or shoots. What about yours? She she not so keen on it. She's keen on it. She doesn't mind either way. No, or? well, um, yeah, she hasn't done anything till she sort of started seeing me, and uh, we're in the process <laughs> of getting her license at the moment. So yeah. it's good to get her into it. And um, yeah, I've already I've got a rifle. I'm going to start building for her once she has a license. So. Nice. What question about? Yeah, question about that. When you sort of um, did she did she come from a family of anyone that hunted, or when she first met you? This is like this whole new thing. And how did she react? Because I always like to find out when. And I've been through this. Maybe no doubt you've been too. Where you know I've met a I've met a girl, and you know she hasn't been too keen on it whatsoever. And quite a few times actually, I find my, especially myself, maybe twice. You know, I've sort of yeah the <laughs> the very short lived uh, conversation ended very quickly once I said I was a hunter. So. Um, and I've had one woman who I was seeing for quite a, a couple of months. Uh, eventually, after a couple of months, just say, "Yeah, nah, not really." Sort of keen on this if you're going to be doing this all the time, like the whole shooting thing. And I was like, "Well, you know, just don't call me again. It's just easier that way, you know." <laughs> no, I'm quite lucky. Um, her brother, uh, my brother, my brother-in-law, Stephen, he's actually quite keen on shooting. He's my partner in crime with precision barmaning. Uh So we go out usually two or three nights a week. Um, 
obviously, you know, you can get yourself in a bit of hot water spending too much time away from the family, but uh, she knows what it's all about. Like, coming from a, fam- a farming background, as her family is, they, she knows what happens. So, and like I said, now that I've given, you know, gotten her into it a little bit, she's really excited about, you know, do it, shooting a first fox herself, actually. Nice work. Mate, what are some of the pros about being a person, you know, that hunts and shoots? Mate, um, pros for me, I think it means you're a safe, sensible and practical person. You know, you're aware of your situation, you're aware of your surroundings and, you know, you have to be safety conscientious all the time, you know, dealing with firearms, um, not only in the actual use of the firearm, but where you're shooting, you know, target identification. It just means you pay a lot more attention to your surroundings than the average person, I think. Mm, mm, very true. Um, I know when, especially like some of the pros, I mean, some people don't have many cons, but if there were any cons of being, you know, in this industry of, you know, hunting, shooting, maybe even fishing, what do you think some of the the, the cons are? Do you have any cons? Yeah, okay. The cons of being a shooter and a hunter, mate, it's uh, quite a negative media image. Uh, sometimes you feel a bit condemned and labelled by public opinion. We're very over-regulated and suppressed by the government. Um, obviously, we're not as big a culture in Australia as America with the firearm culture over there. So your costs and supply are a lot higher and uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot more difficult to get the same amount of supply as what Americans do with reloading components and things like that. Um, also, I think just the, like I said previously, you know, with the negative media image, um, it's very hard to put out a good image when you know, we make up such a small percentage of the population, mate. So I think a, a big con is definitely educating people that aren't uh, familiar with the, the shooting culture. Yeah, do you reckon there's any cons... Um you know, in the shooting industry in general with either people, you know, not doing the right thing or do you think there's any of that going on? Well, mate, the cons for that, I do believe, like, I ha- like, you know, being on social media, I do believe social media is quite a minefield in this area. Um, I see a lot of shooters and they literally shoot themselves in the foot because they get into slinging matches on, you know, anti-shooting pages and they put up pictures of blown apart animals on animal welfare pages and I think, that's really not doing our way of life any good at all. Like, you know, we've already got the media image of being, you know, Neanderlithic redneck killers, and you've got blokes out there that are doing things like this, and it's really not helping anyone. Mm. Um, you know, we're trying, to, we're trying to put across that, you know, we're safe. There's no reason why we can't have, you know, certain firearms, There's, you know, and doing things like this. And, like, one thing that really stirs me up is people constantly referring to firearms as weapons. Like, firearms are not weapons. Firearms are firearms. A weapon is something that is has the intentional use to cause damage to someone. Like, when when you see people referring to firearms as weapons, that's just giving the the Greens more ammunition to use against us. A firearm is a firearm. Yeah, no, man, totally agree. Um, Speaking of that, obviously, you know, you've been around... You know, when you've obviously, you know, when you were younger, you started hunting, you got into, you know, your sort of, you know, your early 20s. What were some of the reactions you had when, you know, even in your, say, employment, your full-time employment, if you work full-time, and, and people find out you're a hunter, what are they generally saying? Mate, curiosity for the most part, they're, um, most of the blokes I work with, I spent a fair bit of time working in the correctional department, um, you know, and I had a lot of blokes that were keen to come out for a shot. So that was good, and it's it's good to spend a lot of time with those people that are keen, and you can educate them and get them pointed in the right direction. Um, you know, some people, you know, just think, oh, yeah, you bloody Yahoo going out shooting things, and I think people like that, they need a little bit of educating. So it's more a case of, you know, just being upfront with them and sort of saying, this is why I do it, and this is how I do it. And then if the opportunity presents itself, actually take them out and show them what you do. And so that way it gets rid of sort of any misinformation they've been fed because the majority of the people out there that have a negative image of it have no idea of it whatsoever. 
G'day, Turbo here from the Noob Spiro podcast, where we talk all things spearfishing. So if you love your hunting and you love your fishing, you're going to love spearfishing as well. So check us out at the Noob Spiro podcast or visit us online at noobspiro.com. One of the awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water, and that's why I started spearfishing. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go dotting dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's a whole new world, and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year again, and Huntfest is just around the corner. Huntfest is Naruma's premier hunting exhibition on the New South Wales South Coast. Huntfest is on this June long weekend, so don't miss out by getting your tickets early. If you want to be an exhibitor at Huntfest, then call Danfield on 02 4473 7035. Visit huntfest.com.au for more information. Huntfest, the place to be in 2016. I know when you were talking about uh, the business before, do you think there's a difference between, you know, hunting, hunting for a say, or you know, working for a business doing pest control, as opposed to, you know, going out and hunting for, you know, basically we do hunt for pleasure. Let's be honest here. Uh, I hunt because I enjoy it. I don't hunt hunt because I dislike it. Uh, is there a difference between yeah. when you got your, you know, your pest control hat on versus your hunting hat? Oh, definitely, mate. Pest control is about the removal of that animal in as, in as great a numbers as possible from that environment. So, for example, if I was hunting, I'd go and look for you know the biggest trophy animal or the best skin or something like that. But when I'm at pest control, the like if I'm if I'm doing pest control, even something as little as um, pigeons in a grain storage warehouse, my goal for the client is to remove every single pigeon in that instance. Whereas if I was trophy hunting, not that I'm sure anyone would ever trophy hunt for pigeons, but I'd say, well, what's the biggest, fattest <laughs> pigeon I can find? And then you'd be a bit more selective than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Um, speaking about when you said you were growing up, you were shooting clays, I mean, obviously you do your pest control. When you get to do time to go out, do you participate in any non you know, hunting related activities, you know, pistols, rifles, clay yeah, target, which you mentioned um, before? I still get out and shoot clays. Um, I shoot service pistol and rapid match. Um, I have a crack at F class bench. And I'm not doing any, uh, not doing too well in it because I, I just yeah, pumping uh, pumping bullets into paper sort of is not something that blows my hair back. But it's great <laughs> for load development and seeing what your uh, seeing what your rifle's doing at different ranges. But I don't know when I'm looking at sort of seven or eight hundred dollars a barrel, and I'm only getting sort of twelve, fifteen hundred rounds out of a barrel, sort of wasting a couple of hundred a weekend on a piece of paper doesn't do much for me. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I don't mind the um, love shooting clay targets. I shoot sporting quite quite regularly. Um, you know, every yep. every couple of times a month, uh, really enjoy it. Love me bird shooting. If anyone's listening to my show, they know, they know all this stuff anyway. But sp- <laughs> speaking yep. of that, you, you were talking about you know certain calibers. What's uh, what's bows go to calibers? This is always fun because people are always contentious about you know whether they you know what they like certain calibers for certain things. So let's go through what you you know you own or what you enjoy shooting okay mate my three favorite rifles uh for work would be my seiko a1 in 17 remington that's my go-to rifle look if you have a look at my facebook page i sort of say i use the 17 remington out to 200 meters from 200 to 450 meters i use my 22 250 ackley improved and between 300 meters out to a thousand meters i use my 6.5 284 cap. Okay. Now, what do you like about what about what is it about those calibers in particular that sort of, you know, you 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 like or what attracted you to those calibers? Um, mate, they're flat shooting and hard hitting. Um, they are, and they're very very efficient. Like, uh, they're all single shot rifles. They're all very. Uh, I've spent a lot of money having these rifles built, and basically these are my go to rifles because I know how well they work and I'm you know. I'm fairly confident of, you know, 95% success results. Yeah, and you were talking about load development. Do you do you reload for each every one of those rifles? Yes, I reload for I reload for a total of 11 rifles. Um, but yeah, I do spend a lot of time reloading on the 17 Remington, the 22250 Ackley and the 6.5. Mate, your wife, or you, she must be very, very, uh, very nice. <laughs> oh, she's an amazing woman, and she's very patient. I'm very lucky to have her, and I hope she hears this. I think the thing that annoys her most about the reloading is um, 
the RCB has charge master peeping every time a load gets finished. Oh, yeah, I've, I used to have the uh, the RCBS charge master as well. Like, beep beep at the end. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about you said you um, right now you, you occasionally shoot the clay target. So yeah, do you own a shotgun? Shoot a twelve gauge or? Yeah, mate. Yep, I've got a uh, Parati MX two thousand. Oh, God, it, you, your safe must be worth a hundred thousand dollars. That safe? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the safe. <laughs> What's inside the safe, though, with the amount of firearms you've got, man? Seems like you've got some some great additions in there. Yeah, mate. I've um, I spent a lot of years uh, building up what I've got. Um, I I got up to a stage there. I think I had about thirty-seven rifles, and wow. basically what I did was I I kept a couple of Remingtons I had, and then sold everything else, and then stripped these rifles down for the actions, and then just started building rifles on these actions and. Basically, I've I've cut it down to about twelve now, and I've got I'm very happy with what I've got. Um, I actually have uh, I'm ordering two AR-15s for my pest control business, and that will probably be the last rifles I'll buy for the next four or five years. Right. Yeah. What about pistols? You said you, you do shoot pistol. What's uh, what's bows go to in those, and what do you enjoy shooting? Mate, I've got a um, Kimber Super Eclipse Target Two in thirty eight Super. And I have a Colt LE Gold Cup in 22, and I mainly like the the supers for the um, for shooting service, and the 22 is just fun on the silhouettes and practice for drills. Yeah, right. Very good stuff, mate. If you could, this is always a very interesting question. Always ask it to uh, everyone that takes part in this Everyday Hunter series. If you could break it down. Tell us what it means to be a hunter and a shooter and or fisherman, but you majority hunt and shoot uh, in this Australian 21st century. Okay, mate. To me, it means to be a safe and sensible person. I have to be practical. You know, you've got to be able to solve problems and analytical. You need to be educated not only, you know, in uh, selecting firearms, but you need to be educated in what you're hunting, where you're doing it. Um and for me, especially, I, it, it means to me to be a professional person, especially with my contract shooting business. Also, it means to me to be a spokesperson for our way of life. Like, if someone has a negative image about hunting, it's up to me to try and educate this person about it. You know, sometimes you need to mediate a bit. Also, it means to me to be a role model to young shooters that are up and coming, like, you know, try and explain to them the do's and don'ts and, you know, the best way to be around firearms and how to be you know, an ethical hunter. Mm. So, and like, you know, I care about the environment. You know, I'm doing a lot of pest control. I'm removing pests from the environment. Um, and also, I'm, you know, I have to worry about my clients' financial well-being as well. So I need to develop business plans that help clients get the most out of their crops and flocks. For too long, shooters' rights have been ignored by politicians. Liberal Democrat Senator David Lionhelm has been shooting pistols, rifles and shotguns for over four decades. He knows what shooters want. He challenged the Adler shotgun ban and forced the government to retreat. Shooters' rights are a core issue for the Liberal Democrats and we won't back down. Visit ldp.org.au and vote one, the Liberal Democrats. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. Spiker are Australia's largest brand of gun safes, shooting accessories and hunting gear and are owned and operated here in Australia. Spiker Gear is now nationally recognised as the number one choice for all Australian hunters and shooters. Head to your local gun shop and check out Spiker's quality gun safes and equipment. Visit spiker.com.au and get outside. I don't think we spoke about it before. I went past one of my major questions normally. I mean, I know you, you sort of 
let's talk about both. I mean, when you're doing your pest control or your hunting, what I mean, what do you enjoy hunting when you go out there? Um, so let's talk about the business first, but then also personally. Yep. I mean, do you like hunting foxes, deer, rabbits? What do you enjoy? Mate, um, I love hunting cats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had that one before like, in all uh, 95 yeah. episodes. I think I haven't had that yet. Yeah, mate, feral cats are uh, my passion. I just I hate the buggers, and they're actually a very cunning animal to try and get hold of. Um and they're a very tough animal too. I've seen some blokes, you know, they just they just can't quite get hold of them. So yeah, no, they're they're a very elusive quarry. I do like and do enjoy hunting a good cat. Like I'll um, you know, I'll spend you know spend a couple of weeks getting to know the animal before you know before I even take a shot at it in some instances. Yeah, exactly. I know when um, this is a very, and I should do this this year. I don't know why I don't. Every year I go down to the rice fields to hunt ducks and. I swear, I swear that there's uh, where we go, sort of down near Hay. Uh, there's so many. I used to the first time I went there, I said, "Jesus, a lot of foxes here." Um, and then when I spoke to the farmer that were the property we were hunting ducks, and he goes, "Nah, they're all cats." And I went, "I can't, yeah. like everywhere." I, I turn, I turn my lights on. I'm seeing eyes, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah it's most of the time." He goes, "Are they looking away fairly quickly?" And I said, "Yeah, they do." And he goes, "Nah, they're all cats." And I thought, "Wow," yep. I thought, "Mate." Maybe this year I might actually uh, bring the old twenty two out, or you know, get well, get me mate to bring the twenty two and start hitting some cats. Because to be honest, I've never shot a cat before, and this is like cats are like target rich environment down on the ducks every year. I think this is my fifth year, and I haven't bothered to really much do much shooting at night. So I probably should actually. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, mate. A bit of advice: if you're going to use a twenty two, try for headshots because, like I said, they are a very tough animal, and um, they'll soak up a few twenty twos in the chest area. Really? Yeah, might have to bring the old, uh, the old fifty grain nozzler, you know, B- uh, BTs in the R two two three. I think that probably makes you know, sort of light work of them. I think. Yeah, no, you won't go wrong with that, mate. Like I, um, I shot a cat. Uh, I think it was about eight months ago, and it tipped the scales at twenty seven kilos. Wow, twenty seven kilos. What was it? Was, was it, was it a what? big cat? <laughs> Holy moly, that's a huge cat. Yeah, Unbelievable. Like I, cause I, I was looking at it through the scope, and I didn't actually time to get the rangefinder on it, and I thought, oh, he's only sort of 75, 80 metres away, and then we went out and got him and paced it out, and it was actually that big, he was 210 metres away, but he looked, because he was so big, looking at him in the scope, he looked like he's only 100 metres away. Mm. When you're reloading, are you looking for you know lighter bullets when you're shooting, or are you looking for heavier stuff? What's your general go-to loads? Well, mate, um... Like I said, I sort of side all my rifles in for uh, distance-specific loads. Um, with the 22-250 Ackley, I mainly run 50-grain hollow points. Um, I'm actually just trialling some new projectiles this week. There's a new company in Australia called B&T Energetics, and uh, he's actually making projectiles out of brass, and they look absolutely fantastic. You know, the hollow point in them is that big, I bloody coughed and it echoed. So, right. so I'll uh, give them a look on this weekend um, with the with the six point five because I'm mainly using that for dogs and the long distance stuff. I do run the hundred and forty grain um, nozzle ballistic tips in that, and yep. I run the twenty grain burgers in the seventeen Remington. Um, right. Basically, for those, I'm just looking for fast expansion. I basically what I do is I, I if I'm looking at a fox, I'll always put the crosshairs right on the tip of the nose. Because if he's under if he's under two hundred meters, it's going to be a headshot. If it's over, this is between two hundred and three hundred meters, it's going to be a neck or chest shot. Right, right. Very good tips. Speaking, going back to that, uh, you were talking about the cats and foxes, obviously for the the business. What else do you enjoy? What else do you like? Get, you know, do you like getting into the you know the you know the the deer, or do you like getting into bird hunting, ducks, or anything like that? Or what's, yeah. what what else do you go to? We don't have much in the way of deer around this area. Um, I have done some work with uh, the LHPA for um, pig control, um, so I don't mind getting on the pigs every now and then. Um, you know, I've, I've actually bought a scope cam the other week, and it's getting set up on the air off to do some uh, pig, uh, sorry, pigs, some pigeons inside some grain storage areas later this week. Yep. And um, I've been getting out on the galahs lately. Our local sporting club, uh, they put down a new soccer pitch. And the galahs came down, and they've caused about ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of damage to the playing surface. They dug big holes up and got the uh, grass root out. 
Yeah. So I've uh, yeah gone out and cleaned up hundreds of the last four of them. Yeah, we had the same thing down on the rice fields. I think I made a, a YouTube video about it, and a few people freaked out. And was like, well, you know, they do attack the crops as well, especially when you're on, you know, the rice fields and the farmers growing a crop next to the rice fields. You should, I've never, especially I think it was 2013, I've never seen in the whole of my existence of 34 years, there were just like swarms and swarms of galahs. It was like totally unbelievable. That's right. And a lot of people don't realise the glass is actually not protected. So it's a bit of open season on them. Exactly. Um, I think it's anything in New South Wales, anything west of the Great Dividing Range, I think, same as the Crows, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm licensed to actually shoot inside residential and industrial oh, that's right, areas. That's right, if you've got the permits, correct, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I've spent a lot of time on soccer fields and golf courses. I was at the local golf course a little while ago shooting rabbits and foxes off the golf course. So Unbelievable. That was a good bit of fun. And you'd be surprised. I remember I went out with this guy. Actually, I met him on a forum a couple of years ago, and he invited me out one time just to have a, just to have a go out with him. And I was, I think, was somewhere in um, Gladesville, and he went to the we went to the police station first, and he came back out. I think he had just you know, tell him he was shooting. We put up some signs, and you would think literally we were looking – uh, I think it was a Gladesville Park somewhere, and we were literally looking right at the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and I said to myself, mate, there's going to be no foxes around here. And he goes, oh, no, you'd be surprised. <laughs> and then we drove around. We, we had a bit of a call. I think even that time, I think I brought me electronic caller, and we didn't have any luck. Anyway, we came back about, oh, maybe went to another park about an hour later, and we turn up. One's running right across the car, the, the street in front of us. And then right next to us, there was the netball court. So we sort of just got out of the car really quickly. I think he was using a suppressed um, you know, subsonic 22. Uh, and then we went up yeah. to, the, to the netball courts. And all of a sudden, I think I had a torch in my hand. And I just pushed it up, you know, to turn it on. And then all of a sudden, there were two foxes. that must have been eating some rubbish on the ground or something like that. And then all of a sudden, they both turned around to look. And I said, well, shit, you better up and shoot one. So he did. He got one. And then the other one sort of bolted down back along the front of the... Uh, the water line, then back up under this rock platform thing uh, where there was all weeds and, you know, and vines and stuff. And he goes, oh, that's where they must be hanging out over there. And I thought, oh, well, well I've certainly learnt something today, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's quite surprising where you do see these feral animals. Um, I actually sort of, I, I literally fell into that job because I was out playing golf and I bloody fell down a rabbit hole. And I went and saw the greenskeeper and he said, oh, yeah, there's heaps of the bastards out here. So I said, okay, well, I'll come out. And um, I just volunteered that one. I didn't charge anything for it. And like I said, yeah, we did. We um, liaised with the local police force and just basically told them. And I had a, a police officer come out with me. And, yeah, we just spent three nights on them. I think we cleaned up about 95 rabbits. Yeah. So, for, for the budding fox hunters, Oni, when you go out, do you like lay some sort of bait or do you, you know, call on a whistle, tenor field, electronic call? What's your go-to? Mate, at the moment, um, we're running some fairly heavy-duty HID lighting and spot lighting, and um, but we don't have... We're trying to cover... Like, I think one of the places we're on is about 12,500 acres, so we don't have the time to do all the baiting and the whistling. We'll, uh, we'll just flick across with the lights, and if they're there, um, I might give a chirp on the whistle. We've got a couple of different whistles we use. Um, we've got the Bombala Pro. We've got a couple of button whistles. We've got a silver fox whistle, just depending on the range. Um, and we'll just give them a chirp on the whistle just to make them stop and have a look, and if we can, we'll get the range finder on it. And um, depending on how far out they are, like if they're over sort of 600, I don't like to try and shoot at them over 600. I'll take the, like I'll, um, I'm fairly confident at 600 with a 6.5. But um, yeah, if we if we can, we try and call them in around the three 400 mark. Um, at the moment, they're joining. So we were out uh, last week and we pulled up in a paddock and we shone the light on and there were seven foxes in a bundle. And oh, there wow. must have been two or three vixens, and there was just, you know, four dogs trying to get on them. And I wasn't actually shooting. I was driving at the stage, and one of the other shooters was shooting. And, uh, yeah, like, the foxes were not worried by the light or the shooting. Like, we shot six of the seven. And yeah. they just, they yeah, by the time they we got around to the last one, it's like, oh, something's happened here, and it took off. Wow. So what, 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 sort of, what distance was that from? Uh, they were 272 metres. Wow, and then so you shot one, and the other ones are just looking around, going, "Oh, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, the other, the other ones. I think the other ones great. That's one less we got to fight off to try and get on these vixens. Yeah, and um, yeah, we just sort of 
I don't know whether it was good luck or good planning, but um, we managed to lead the Vixens to last, and the the dogs were that, that interested in the Vixens. They weren't paying any attention to us at all. Like, usually they scarper as soon as they hear a uh, gunshot, but uh, they were too busy, interested, too interested in trying to uh, get a bit. <laughs> ah, the good old fox, the good old wily fox. That's exactly right, but... Um, I think a lot of the places we go to, um, there's a lot of very educated foxes. As soon as they see the light, they just head down and bolt. Um, sort of about a month and a half ago, we were getting a lot of pups. They were just starting to get out and about. So we sort of were getting more pups than big dogs. But um, now they're back joining again. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see the cycle. Yeah, mate. T- tell us about the, more about the business too. If somebody wants to get into this, how did you get into it? What should they do? I know I get a few emails saying, you know, I used to do category C and D years ago, had my own pest control business, you know, bogged down with, you know, full-time work and that these days, so it's been a bit less than it used to be. But, um, you know, how do they start their business? What tips would you give someone that wants to sort of get into this? And even if it's just starting off part-time, I mean, you know, a legitimate part-time job is just as important in helping out farmers as someone that does it full-time. So how do they get started? That's right, mate. It's um, it's a great job to be in. It is very hard to get into, unfortunately. Basically, first off, you want to get an ABN, and uh, you want to ring the New South Wales Firearms. This is in New South Wales, obviously. Ring the New South Wales Firearms Registry. The girls up there are absolutely fantastic to deal with. They've been very helpful every time I've uh, called them up. I've asked them some curly questions. And just say, look, I'd like to get a Category D vertical, vertic- vertebrate test animal controller added to my licence, and they'll send you out the pack. And that'll just detail everything you need to do for uh, for them to be happy enough to do it. Okay, and then uh, basically you need to start scouting and you need to speak to... Well, the biggest thing I come across is, well, why should I pay you to come and do it when I can just shoot myself? And that's the, probably the, the biggest obstacle I have being a professional shooter. And then, you know, my answer is, well, mate, why do you pay any professional to do something you can do yourself? You know, you get a better job done. You don't have to worry about going out and doing it. And um, not only that, but since the government actually declared the fox a feral pest and needs to be destroyed and controlled, they've put on the put it onto the farmer saying you actually need to actively control these animals. So what I do is I say, well, mate, I can I can pinpoint everything that's happening on the farm and I also give you a tax invoice which you can take to the government to the government and just say, look, this is what I'm doing to control these animals. So it helps the farmer out a little bit. Um, also, you know, while I'm out, I, I keep an eye out for dens. I, I pinpoint the den and let them know if there's a new den, they can go and drop a few baits, or I'm happy to drop a few baits for them as well. I've done my um, poisons course. Um, yeah, you also you fix a few fences if you see kangaroos being pushing the fences up. I get a lot of uh, farmers asking me to help control kangaroos, but without the proper S120 licence and the tags, I just won't do it because it's not worth the risk. Mm. So... But, you know, be prepared to put in a lot of lot of groundwork. Um, you'll need to have a letter from your accountant. You'll need to be able to prove that there's money coming into your account that's, that is in payment for these, for these licenses to be issued. Um, and basically, like I said, you just need to go through the steps that the firearms registry provide you and, you know, tick off all the checkpoints that they ask you to do and provide the evidence. And if you can do everything they ask, you shouldn't have a problem getting the licence. It's just getting the business up and running is the hardest thing because it is very hard to crack, you know, the clientele. Like I've been, I've been in this area for six years, and I'm, I'm lucky now that I've got a good enough name that, um, you know, I can ring a farm and say, "Hi, it's Bo Ricketts from Precision Farming." And they say, "Oh, yeah, I've heard about you." Or you say, "Look, contact these farmers. I've done work for them." And it's just, it's just a time thing. If you're prepared to put the time and a lot of money, like I mean, a lot of money into it. It'll, you know, it'll reward you. Like, I had, a, I had a young bloke ask me to get in the other day. He said, oh, I, I want to get paid. How much do you get paid? And I said, mate, I have yet to break even on anything I've ever done. Like, you, you'll not make a great deal of money out of this job. Um, but, you know, mm. just a little bit of money you make out of it towards your ammunition and running costs, that's, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Tell us. You know, when you go out and, you know, you've got those late nights and you've got to get up in the morning, what is it about hunting and shooting that keeps you coming back and why do you enjoy it so much? Like, what do you, what's the core of why you enjoy it so much? It's my absolute passion. I love doing what I do. Uh, I'm an ethical professional. I just, uh, I love that it's all on me. Like, everything from, 
buying the components of the reloading components to actually doing the reloading, working out the right load to use, making sure my rifle is accurately sighted in, making sure it's clean and everything's working properly, right through to when I squeeze the trigger and that projectile hits the target where I'm aiming at. Like, to me, it's... It's the culmination of a lot of hard work coming together for that millisecond of actually firing. Like, and it's something you can always improve upon. Like, and it's a lot of fun. You go out with a few mates and you, we spend more time giving each other a hard time than doing anything. Um, you know, and you have a lot of laughs. But, um, it's just something I'm, I've always been passionate about. I've always loved firearms and I've always loved shooting. Like, I've, I've shot most disciplines that I could find in this area. Um, I've been competitive, you know, uh, with clay target, you know, um, I was a firearms instructor for the Department of Corrective Services. I went and did their, uh, weapons and officer survival instructor program. That was really interesting. Um, it's just, yeah, mate, it, it's the best thing, the best fun you can have with your pants on, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. I agree. Um, I want to talk about whether you, what about game meets? Do you enjoy going out and did you just shoot? Purely for uh, uh, the business, obviously. You know, when you can, when you, you know, how often do you get out personally hunting, and do you like eating game meat, you know, deer, rabbit, anything like that, or it's not really your thing, or? Mate, I've been. You go through stages. Um, I'm a I'm a beef jerky fiend, so I don't mind trying a few different different styles of jerky. Um, we're lucky here in Cootamundra. There's a uh, jerky factory, so. I've been speaking to the bloke, and he said, well, if you can find me enough bits of meat that are good quality, I'll try and make it for you. Um, I think pretty much everyone our age and a bit older has tried a bit of rabbit growing up. Um, I'm not sure if I can quite convince the wife to try venison yet. She thinks they're too cute, but uh, we might get there one day. Yeah. No, no, I, I do enjoy a bit of game meat. Love my jerky as well. Mate, this is a very contentious uh topic this 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 next question uh, i just did a, an interview with new zealand now we, we refer to uh hunting or duck hunting as as hunting now when i was talking to this person in new zealand that i did an interview he was kept on pu- pushing duck shooting you know and we, it actually became an interesting thing because i said you know we're so ingrained with the hunting uh, that, that just that terminology because you know people when people say you shoot stuff or is this a sport especially there's different you know opinions from both different sides of the fence so do you think you know hunting is a sport do you think it's a culture or a means of getting food how would you describe it like it's a bit of uh it's a way of life it's it's it can be seen as a sport or means to supply food it's the beauty of hunting is you can make it mean anything to you. Like, to me, shooting is shooting a target. If, 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 a tar- you know, if you're just shooting paper, you're shooting clays, you're shooting silhouettes, that's shooting because the, you know the target's there, you know where it's going to be, you know where it's going to come out. Hunting is an animal. If you need to go and find this animal and you don't know where it's going to be, you don't know how they're going to react, that's hunting. Whether you're hunting mice, and believe me, mice control... In, in certain areas, that can be a lot of fun, running around with, or not you know, running around, but you know, using the, the 22 single shot, this guy on rat shot, and chasing mice, that's actually quite a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it can be. It, 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 that's the joy of it, is it's whatever you want it to mean. You can be a shooter, and you can say, I shoot animals, or you can be a target shooter, or you can be a hunter, but it's whatever it means to you. It's not black and white. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you, you you've been out, you yeah, you, you might be. This could be when you're at work. It could be anywhere. You know, it could be when you're out with your your wife or girlfriend, and you know, someone goes, "Oh, you, you know, hunting comes up or shooting," which inevitably does because we enjoy it. We can't help but tell people sometimes, can we? Um, but how would you explain to someone when they go, "Oh, you know, you hunt"? Have you ever had to someone that doesn't know about hunting and may think this is bad or even gun ownership in general, how do you give them an idea and how do you explain to them why why you love it so much and, and what it means to you? All right, mate. I try and keep it simple as, pros- as possible and just keep it very factual. So I lay off trying to Hollywood it, you know, like, oh, this is going everywhere and just trying to blur it up. I think it's better to understate. So if I ever actually get out and get shooting, the experience is so much more than what you told them. Like if you go out and say, oh, we shot, you know, 500 foxes and a million rabbits, and you go out and you get one fox and two scrawny rabbits, they're like, oh, that's a bit crap. But, you know, like <laughs> I just think, 
Yeah, I just say, like, keep it simple. Tell them this is what happens when I go out. This is why I do it. If you want to come along for a run, you're more than welcome. Um, yeah, like, I, I've taken a lot of people out with us. I make sure, obviously, they understand the safety concerns with it. And, um, yeah, they've they've all come out and they've gone, wow, that's you know, so much not what we thought it was. And I said, yeah, well, if you've never done it, and you're only going on what other people who have never done it themselves are saying, you don't have the wrong idea. Mate, totally, totally agree. Next one we're going to get into, very interesting. Always got to talk about politics. And if I recall correctly, Bo, I know you've posted on my page occasionally, and I think we've had some differing views once or twice. Um, tell us, what's your thoughts You know, on uh, firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? Yeah, Mate, it's a very difficult topic. Um, we live in a country where firearm ownership is a privilege, it's not a right. And the majority, you know, the media, the public, the government, they want to restrict that right as much as possible. So I think every licensed uh, firearms owner is an ambassador of our culture. We need to be safe and respectful. Um, like I said before, social media is a minefield. So you need to lay off the abusive posts, you know, stop referring to them as weapons, et cetera, et cetera. You know, in light of the recent media storm with the Adler 110, we really need to pull together and step in one direction. You know, regardless of what discipline, what group, what one group loses today sets a precedent for another group tomorrow. So yep, yep. I think as, as firearm owners in today's day and age, we need to lay off the heavy-handed redneck approach and all just pull together and support one another. Um, like social media, again... Absolute minefield. Like, the more you come across as a Neanderthal, the more the Greens are going to run with it. And, you know, they, they're happy to Photoshop. I think there was a photo board out a little while ago. There was a baby deer lying next to his dead mother. And the, the, the actual, the image of the photo, at that angle, and they said, hunters have shot this thing left next to its, you know, it's, it's next to its poor mother who's been shot by, a, a, you know, a stupid hunter. And then you actually swung the camera around and they, they found out the other photo would have been hit by a car. So I just think you have to be very smart in today's day and age um, because what what one person does can affect 800,000 licensed firearm owners. Mm. So you, you really need to think about what you're doing and how you're doing it and who's seeing what you do. Like you really are, as soon as you say to someone, I'm a firearms owner, you become an ambassador for our sport, for our culture, for our way of life, and you True. really need to think about how you portray yourself. Yeah. Because, like I said, what you do affects all of us. Mm. Oh, like, you look at yeah, that clown, yeah. Mad Monis, he, he, he had a legal firearm, he wasn't a licensed firearm owner, and we're feeling the backlash of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. I mean, I wanted to bring something up there because I know I have some very, very passionate listeners on my show where if I say something even remotely wrong and they'll know what I'm talking about. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, and, and I urge you actually, Bo, to go and listen to this. Me and myself, Mario, do another another uh, podcast called Straight Shooting in episode 93. I, I, you should go listen to that one because I think you'd quite enjoy it. But we did speak about yeah. the uh, rights versus privilege. Now, I disagree that it's a privilege in this country. I think it is a right. Uh, we went through the definitions of rights versus privilege, so I'd like you to listen to it yeah. um, at a later oh, date. No, I totally agree with you there, mate. I, t- I, I totally agree with you in that it should be a right, but unfortunately government has said it's a privilege and that's what we're dealing with at the moment so we just need to toe the line and do as best we can with it but like like you said and i totally agree with you firearm ownership should be a right because yeah we're talking about the differences you know between the u.s and australia now people are saying well you know this part of it is true where they say yeah the u.s has a constitutional right yes i understand that but again this uh, uh, if somebody commits a crime, as you'd probably know this as well, if someone commits a crime in the US, uh, if they're on that federal database of the FBI that they can't own a firearm, they can't own a firearm. So therefore, technically, it's a constitutional right, but that right also can be taken away from you. Now, Australia doesn't have, obviously, that constitutional right, which I understand. But in Australia, 
again, again, listen to episode 93, I think it'll become more clear. But the interest of saying it's a privilege in this country, a privilege is something that's only given to a certain class of people where as long as, I mean, yeah, we're both 34. If an 18-year-old shooter comes up and says, well, he wants to go hunting, there's no privilege there. It's a right because if he, as long as he's 18 and doesn't have a criminal record, he will be granted a license. You know, there's no, there's no question about that. So anyway, I'm not, I don't want to go on about too much because I think we'd actually enjoy going through that because I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a privilege at all. I mean, by definition, it's not a privilege. Again, if you listen to it and look it up, and people have emailed me last week and said, "Oh, well, you know, you're going for the literal term," and I was like, "Well, what else is there? There's only the definition of a, of a right and the definition of a privilege. Uh, uh, there's no other meaning. That's the literal dictionary, you know, meaning. There's there's, yeah. no, there's nothing else there. So anyway, episode ninety three. I think you'd enjoy it. And I want to hear your thoughts. You can you know just message me after. Yeah, you know, no, or, or, or flick me an email because I do hear this from a lot of our, um, you know, our organisations, and I, know, I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But we have our organisations. They keep saying it's a, it's a privilege. I was like, I know they can take it away at any time. You're right. It's not a constitutional privilege. But anyway, let's move on. What would you change, Bo, to the current system? I mean, if you could change something in the current system, do you think? You know, the 1996 gun laws, do you think they're a good thing? You know, we're seeing Canada abolish registration. New Zealand has all types of firearms. They haven't had a mass shooting since 1997. Uh, very similar time frames to Australia. Uh, the world hasn't ended. You know, we haven't sort of, no one's turned into a crazy killer. So what's, uh, you know, what would you change in the current system? And are you happy with the current system? Well, mate, I think the current system... Um it has its good points and its bad points, like every system. Uh, I think trying to find a black and white solution for a problem that's shades of grey, I would definitely scrap the PTA for individual firearms. I mean, if you've already got that category on your licence and you have firearms in that category, you should be able to buy more. Like, they say, if you give them one, you can have more. Okay, I want clear-cut legislation that works across all states. So I want some unity between all the states in Australia because... You know, you need to have unity. So, you can, well, this is legal here. Like, I, I, had, I had an instant where I bought a Category B shotgun from Queensland, had it shipped down here. I rang the uh, firearms registry about it, and they said, yep, you can have it. Sent away my PTO little details. They come back and said, no, the Navy SEALs use it. You can't have it. So then I had to go through all the steps of that. So I want unity between the states. I would like to see, you know, a good, decent probation period for all licences. So once, you know, make it a little bit harder to get a licence, but once you've got the licence, it needs to be a bit easier. Mm-hmm. And then I want to streamline the legislation. I want stricter storage requirements, but clearer. Like, um, you know, I would like to see that all firearm owners have stricter storage requirements, like better safe, like you need to have a minimum. Like, I don't think, like, with the problem of firearms being stolen at the moment, it's... You know, especially where I'm from, there's been a there's been a spate of firearms being stolen from farms. Okay, so they need to be stricter storage control. Okay, I want harsher penalties for crimes committed with firearms. Like that's for, across the board. I'd like more police inspections, but I want more police awareness too. Like I, I've had being a category D firearm owner and having category D firearms, I have probably four times more inspections than the average shooter. But I've had a lot of different officers come out, and they've all said something different to me. And like I've, uh, you know, I've actually produced the legislation. I've got copies of up-to-date legislation with me in my armory. I always have the up-to-date legislation with me. I can say, look, here you go. Can you point out to me where you're saying that from? And a lot of it is their opinion. So I would like to have a little bit more um, police awareness. Like I know our police do a fantastic job. They've got a very hard job, and I'm fairly sure that sometimes it's a pain in their ass having to come out and inspect all these firearms. But that being said, they are doing it. I would like to see them have an across-the-board awareness of what the rules are. Mm. And, um, yeah, crack down on power-happy anti-gun police because I have had a, I've had, I've had a few run-ins, like 99.9% of them are absolutely fantastic, and then there's that 0.1% that no matter wrong or right, they don't want your firearms. They don't want you having your firearms. They want your firearms locked up and confiscated. Interesting, interesting. I've got a question for you because I have had this before on a previous show. Um, yeah. There was a couple of guys that 
uh, said about this, you know, you know, the whole debacle about this Adler shotgun. Now, I think one of them, like yourself, uh, was a Category C, or maybe Category C or D license. I'd have basically had a pest control business. Now, I hope you're not going to say this, Bo, because I will call you on it, unfortunately. You know, you, you said you were purchasing, you know, the AR-15 for your pest control business. Now, um, yes. do, do, do you support... The, the, the average shooter having access to those firearms. I mean, I know guys that are, you know, shoot quite a lot, you know, each year. You know, they shoot, you know, pistols every every, every week. You know, they're just, they're always out shooting. So uh, what would you support in regards to, you know, giving people, you know, access to those types of firearms? Because I know this one guy said, well, you know, no, I should have it, which... I, I hope you're not going to say this to me because he goes, I should have it, but that someone else shouldn't have it. What just because you're running a business, let's say, and this goes yeah. for that guy too. What makes? Why can't? So why are you more important than someone else that should be able to have it too? So what's your what's your what's your idea on that sort of stuff? Mate, my idea regarding the semi-automatic pump action laws, category C and D. If you can satisfy a genuine reason that you need this firearm, then you should be able to have it. That's my stance on it. Like. Saying I want an AR-15 what, just because you want to have one, you want to let off a heap of rounds, to me, that's not a good enough reason for having one. But that's just me. If you want it, that's up to you. But like I said, I want it for, um, because it's hard to run a bolt gun out of a helicopter, and also I'm dealing with large numbers of animals that I'm being paid to. So it's not like I can shoot five out of my bolt-action rifle, reload, drive over to the next paddock where they've all gone to, and then go again, you know what I mean? That's why I've applied for them. Um, like I said, if you don't, I think they should they should have, you know, remove those category C and D. If somebody wants a semi-automatic rifle, they need to be able to supply a genuine reason for it, and then they should do a, undertake a training course. Because, like, I've trained a lot of people in the use of uh, semi-automatic firearms with Department of Corrective Services, and you know, there's a lot of people that get hold of them who go, oh, yeah, I shoot all the time, and they've got no idea how to clear a stoppage. They've got no idea how to, you know, what to do with a jammed rifle. They've got no idea of when the rifle's loaded and when it isn't. So if you're going to have this firearm, you need to undertake training. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about, like, obviously there's not one right now, but I'm a, my genuine reason, I'm a Category A and B firearm holder, let's say, I've been hunting for five years, for an example, and I want to know. I want to own, like, say, within a ten-shot AR to go hunting with for category A and B. Would you support that? If that was a genuine reason, it depends. What are you hunting? Pigs, deer, goats could be anything. Yep. You so, would? is there any is there any reason why you need to get as many as possible? Is there any reason why you need? See, this, I'm taking this. I'm yep. doing the devil's advocate here. I'm saying, <laughs> why do you need a ten shot firearm when? As I say, well, I let's say I was working for. Before. Let's say I was doing it for a a private farmer, but I wasn't getting paid. I had ten properties to hunt on. Yep, I'd say go for it, mate. Grab one. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Um, I want to get into the next part. We'll, we'll go on to the next part because I think this is just as important too. Uh, what about your voting, if you don't, if you don't mind telling us? Um, do you vote for a pro-gun party and um, when it comes to yeah, election mate, time? Um, I vote Shooter Fisher Party. I think it's, they're doing a fantastic job. We definitely need a voice. Um, look, the Australian population is 23 million, so, and there's roughly only 800,000 licensed firearm owners. So we're a small percentage, right? 3.48% of that 23 million. So we definitely need a strong voice. So the more people that can vote Shooters Fishers Party and get our voice to be heard where it counts, then we should be doing it. Yeah, are you? You said you voted for them. Are, are you happy with their performance? Well, mate, to be honest, at this stage, any performance is good performance. Like we're not just getting steamrolled under the carpet. They're up there. They're putting a fight up. Um, Robert Borsak's doing a great. You know, he's doing he's doing really well. Like he's definitely been out there on social media. You know, making his presence felt. They're definitely, you know, they're putting up a fight, and that's what I like to see. Okay, yep, no, good stuff. Um, I'm gonna, gonna ask you to throw your curveball on this one. I didn't, I didn't put this in the questions. <laughs> I'm pro self defence. Yeah, I'm pro self defence with a firearm. What's, what's your stance on that? 
But again, that's a very tricky. At uh, least I'm, I'm talking. I'm not talking concealed carry here at the moment. I'm I'm talking. You know, let's start off with the bare minimum. So you know, household security. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. It's something I've thought about on a lot. Like I can see that you know it would take a very grave situation for me to need a firearm to defend my family. Um, would you think it was important to defend your family? I mean, I'm not sure if you've got kids yet, Bo, but if you did... Yeah, yeah, mate. We, um, oh, that's what we you said at the start. Like, you said you that, start. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. No, mate, um, to me, like I said, it, it would be a very grave situation indeed, but my cat, that, the way things are at the moment, but by the time I went to the firearm, got a safe out, got a, got, got a safe, uh, got a firearm out of the safe, sorry, mate, and then went to my other safe and got some magazines and loaded them, you know, there's a minute gone. Like, if it got to that stage, a firearm is probably the last thing on my mind because my first instinct is to get that person out of my house. Mm. Interesting. Inter- interesting. No interesting uh, take on it. And if they got a weapon, what would you do? Oh... Uh, well, I guess, mate, like I said, having spent a fair bit of time in the corrective services, like I've been faced with that situation a few times before, like not in my home, obviously. So it's a case of, you know, I've had a little bit of training in that matter. I'm not saying that makes me any better at anyone than anyone else at dealing with this situation. And, you know, I pray to God that I never, ever have to deal with this situation. But, um, yeah, like I said, unless you've got a firearm right next to your bed ready to go, then a firearm's not even in the equation. Yeah, it's true. I guess with our storage laws too. I mean, there are other options available that still promote safe storage. You know, what I mean, there's fingerprint saves, etc. That you know they use. You know, depending on which country they come from. You know, depending on you know the situation. I guess so. There are there are options out there which would be a lot quicker. Obviously, our situation. I think they've sort of done that on purpose. You know, made the the storage. Um, but I, I think they think, well, obviously they don't want them stolen as well. That's part of it. But I think it is the, a part of it is the access part too, having, you know, yeah. taking that time. So like you said, it doesn't even enter your mind due to the, the frustration of having to get, you know, that safe open to open the other part of the safe to get the ammunition, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, you know, it's good. I, I like having people with you know, a bit of different opinions. I like discussing. I like to find out what they're, thoughts yeah. are you know and what their and what their motivations are on why they think that sort of thing i just think you know it's, it makes us all human and uh you know I, I've, I've never really had someone i've really dis i've had a few disagreements but nothing major so it's good to to get the um <laughs> you know the, the the to find out why i mean I, and i i agree with you i think everyone listening to this show would agree too that i, I hope i'm never in that situation i think mate I, no one would go looking for this type of trouble. But I also think, you know, if someone's in your house, I should have the right to defend myself if I had access to my firearm. I'd, I hope it doesn't happen. And heaven forbid, I hope it doesn't happen to anyone I know. But, Bo, the interesting yeah. part is we, we've only got to look in the media every single day. It's happening to somebody. It's just not happening to That's us. Exactly right. You know, it's like car insurance. You know, you don't need it until you need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until, until you're a little... I totally disagree with... Um in Australia, we aren't entitled to defend ourselves in our own house. I don't agree with that. Mm. Um, like, full stop, we aren't. Like, if we defend ourselves in the act of defending ourselves, we, you know, do a lot of damage to someone, you know, we get in trouble. I don't agree with that. Exactly. But, yeah. like I said, like, you know, like I said, with our stories laws, unless you've got the firearm right next to the bed ready to go, you're better off picking your bedside table up and smashing them over the head with that. <laughs> like, that's, that's the way it comes. That's what it comes down to, mate. Yeah, no, good stuff, man. We um, on this show, we do a bit of a fun segment, mate. Five questions uh, in under a minute. You reckon you're going to be able to take the challenge? Oh, mate, I'll have a crack at it. All right, I'll start asking him in three, two, one, go. All right, in five words or less, describe what being a hunter means to you. Uh, ethical, smart, very safe, and conservative, and ambassador. Favourite aspect of hunting, what is it and why? Pest control, getting rid of the buggers. Favourite species to hunt of all time, what is it and why? Cats. They're very cunning and I hate them. If you could hunt anywhere Sorry, going if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Uh, New Zealand. I love the country up there. 
uh, favourite piece of hunting equipment you own. Uh, what is it and why? Uh, my 22-250 Ackley improved. I've taken a lot of animals with it, and it always works. Mate, forty-seven ninety-one. I've got to start making these questions a lot harder. Uh, when I first started the, <laughs> the five questions in under a minute, everybody was getting it. Uh, we couldn't get it, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I should do it five questions under five minutes." But recently, everyone's been kicking, kicking butt doing that. So, congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. mate. Tell us. Every one of my listeners, this is what I always get emails about. My listeners love hearing a story, mate. So tell us a story that you wanted to share with the listeners, maybe a good night on the foxes or a fox you called in, or it can be absolutely anything you want, but I want you to sell it to the listeners. You know, time of day, was it daytime, nighttime, what season was it? You know, give us the whole the whole story just so my listeners can try and relate to it so they can, they can picture it. Yeah, mate, um, okay, it was... Last September, actually, it was just after the foxes had finished joining. Um, it was probably about five thirty at night, so it was just starting to get dark. Um, I was I was laying up in a box of rocks, a box of rocks. Um, we had had a, a bit of cargo netting over. Just sort of, I was trying to whistle in a few late boxes. Um, it was a very small property I was on, so we couldn't actually drive around and go spotlighting. Anyway, so I was sitting there with uh, the fox caller. We had uh, one of the the uh, CDs playing with the, the Vixen mating calls, the raw callers, and uh, it had just been given to me. You know, this bloke that um, this bloke that gave it to me, he reckons it was that good. He had a fox jump in the back of his ute while he was playing it, and I was you know, thinking, oh yeah, whatever. But I thought I'd give it a go, and I'd, I'd had it playing, and I was, I was listening, I was looking at his instructions, and I'm thinking, okay, play it for five minutes. You know, you know, you give it a minute, and you wait thirty seconds, you give it another minute, and then you change to a different track, and I'm thinking, bloody hell. I'm you know, pushing all these buttons. I played, all, and the, I had a pretty good sort of pretty good field of view, and the wind was blowing straight into my face, so there wasn't any worry about that. And anyway, playing, 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 nothing. Couldn't see a bloody thing. And I was just about to give up, and I said, "Right, I've had enough of this." Quick stop on the bloody player. Picked up the rifle, and I felt something touch my leg. I turned around, and there's a bloody fox sitting right on the back of my boot, just watching me. I could not believe it. <laughs> yeah. What do you do then? Yeah. He, he bolted. I didn't know who was scared more. I thought I thought I should just be glad he didn't start humping my leg. Yeah. Mate, it's always interesting when that happens. I remember my first ever fox, probably eight eight years ago now. Um, this was uh, probably initially state forest hunting, and uh, I had a whistle, and I was making a few calls, and then nothing for about 15 minutes, and, and all of a sudden I just... I heard some crunching over the shoulder, like over my right shoulder. So, and I was sort of on a fence line. So the fox was, this was sort of someone else's property. I was probably about 10 metres from the fence line. So I looked over, over my right shoulder, just quickly like darted my head. And all of a sudden there was a fox hopping through the fence, maybe, you know, seven, eight metres away from me. I just went, oh shit. <laughs> and I stood up and then he luckily was on the, obviously the state forest hunting side, bang, bang, and my first ever fox. And I thought, just the hairs on the back of your neck when, you know, that sort of thing's happened. It's like, uh, I'll never, I'll ne- I really will never forget that because was, I think it was literally one of the best fox uh, hunts I've been on, uh, literally, and because it was the first one as well. It has some sentimental value, but I was just like looking over my shoulder and the hair stood up on the back of my neck and my head darted around. It was just, it was literally right there. I think if I hadn't made noise, I probably honestly wouldn't known it was there. Yeah, they're amazing how, how close they'll come in. Like, especially if they're cops and they've got no idea what you are and they haven't been whistled before, haven't been shot at before, they'll come up and sit in your lap if you know, you're calm enough. Mate, exactly right, mate. Mate, to finish off, Bo, this is this is your chance, you know, to to you know finish off with some final advice or you know to to tell the listeners something, just anything you want, mate, just to finish off. Okay, mate. Um, big thing for me is definitely be an ambassador for shooting. Uh, be respectful of other people's opinions, even if they don't respect yours. You know, it does no good to get into a swinging match. Support each other regardless of the discipline you shoot. Just because you don't shoot, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have it. Said stop giving media and firearms ammo. So basically stand tall, stand together and shoot straight. Mate, good stuff. Uh, Bo Ricketts uh, joins us for our Everyday Hunter podcast series on AHP. Bo, mate, thanks for your time. Had a great conversation tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Jace. It's been great fun. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.